0: For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30am on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This time we're talking about the sixth studio LP from Modest Mouse, Strangers to Ourselves, which I heard someone called the Indie Rock Chinese Democracy because it has been eight years in the making. And after it sets the mood with a short overture for an introduction, the record gets going with a literal barn burner called Lampshades on Fire.
1: A full disclosure here that I feel like it's vaguely embarrassing not to be the giant Modest Mouths fan, but i never been a huge fan. I mean, I heard them 15 years ago and just never really got into it, but I do remember from back then that what really struck me was that distinctive guitar sound. I don't know what the effects they use are, but it just has this off kilter, very bent sound. And I think this song does embrace that guitar sound in a way that their last album didn't. I felt they were moving away. That was.
0: We were dead before the ship even sank.
1: Thank you. But you were nice enough to play that for me going into our prep for this podcast. And I really thought that the guitar work there would not have felt out of place on, say, a Franz Ferdinand album. And here, it does seem like they're welcoming the fans back after a long time away. And I think it reminded me a little of that first track on the Spoon album, which also kind of came out and said hey this is a spoon record don't worry (laughs) we're still the same band you know so it's this welcome back but i think that it's lyrically a pretty nihilistic welcome where we get the scene where they dive into a party and it's the debauchery is long past the fun part and it's now pretty desperate and joyless and even though that while they're singing about this kind of unpleasant time the music is just really lively and some of the most danceable i think on the album
0: This is essentially a concept album about environmental destruction and our disconnection from the natural world. And I think part of why I really like it is because I feel Isaac Brock, who's the singer and creative leader of this band, has the same feeling that I do about global climate change and destroying the planet, which is sort of bafflement about the fact that You know, I can personally console myself with the fact that I'll be dead and everyone I care about will be dead by the time the planet really becomes unlivable. But there are all these people out there who have children and grandchildren and yet actively fight against any effort to, say, reduce our dependence on oil or consume less and try to stop actively destroying the environment. And I just wonder, don't you want your kids and grandkids to not die in a resource war because we're burning up the planet? And it just ends up being kind of perplexing, but like I just throw out my hands and I feel like that's what this album is about. And that's the tone that is set by this song, which has the really great lyric that kind of sums up Western society's attitude, which is pack up and leave. Go to the next place where we'll make the same mistakes. Burn it up or just chop it down. This world's gone. So where to now? And the title is this imagery of when the lights go out, we'll just set the lampshades on fire with no awareness of or thought given to what we're going to do when the entire building has burned. Yeah,
1: well, uh, first off, just when, when it comes to that resource war, I think everyone thinks that, well, my kid's going to win that war. <laughs> and of course, if you're talking about Westerners, well, they're already winning the war that's going on now. It's just a, maybe a little less desperate of a situation than it's going to be. I think what i like about the song is that it really equates i think two situations that aren't typically thought of together that there's this kind of counterculture concept of just hey we're partying we're young we're just taking lots of drugs and thoughtless debauchery without really a lot of thought to the consequences and then you have the mainstream culture which is glorifying different kinds of consumption but again no thought to the consequences and i think that when people think about it there's just this thought of like well we'll just innovate our way out of any problems. And the song really explicitly invokes that by ending with this idea of like, well, maybe we'll just head to space and trash some other planets. And this in this last line, it just says, hey, we're hoping for the scientists to find another door, which is like, yeah, hoping. And maybe, maybe that's not going to work out. And really starting with such a big image of just trashing the planet and moving on, I think it's nice that then the album turns to a much more personal scale and a much more personal story in this next track Ansel me and my
0: sister we hung on the phone watching the news as they looked for Ansel on top of that mountain underneath the snow there dogs were sniffing I guess you never know you can't know you This might be my favorite track on the album because of the way that Isaac Brock connects an important personal experience to all the themes in the album. This song is really more about the last time he saw his brother Ansel and they took a trip to Mexico with their dad and things didn't really go well between them and he thought they might fix it later, but then Ansel was killed in an avalanche while hiking on Mount Rainier. So the song connects this idea that you don't usually get a warning that the last time you see someone or talk to them is going to be the last time with the fact that he died in in a natural disaster And then links it with the larger themes that the Earth doesn't care what happens to us. And it's hubris to assume that we can somehow conquer it. And he makes that personal connection by describing waiting with his sister for the six days that it took to find Ansel's body under the snow. And so to me, it really felt like he was drawing a comparison to the environmental apocalypse that's coming to not just being something that's theoretical, but describing how each of us personally will suffer loss because of what we're doing, because natural forces just don't care if they kill us. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think on the first or second or maybe even third listen on this, I didn't really see that connection. And I really appreciate you making sense of how the song does tie in to the themes. It it is, and you know, this will be kind of becomes a theme for the album, is that tracks are anomalous and that they don't fit. This is, I think, the first, well... This is this first one we'll talk about that just really feels out of place in that I think most of the songs are kind of a little more abstract or clearly a fictional or allegorical story, and this is not that. It is a personal story really explicitly. And I think musically it has maybe the least polish on the album. There are these steel drums that feel pretty out of place, and the meter of the songs, when he sings Ansel, it never quite fits right. It always feels kind of awkwardly shoehorned into the lyrics, in a way that stands out and it's charming, but very rough. And then, you know, it's this personal story and very awkward. And then we we heard that bridge there, which becomes this pretty meditation on sort of the mechanistic nature of the universe that we're just turning on gears and the sun is revolving around us and doesn't care. And it's all just meaningless. <laughs> and so it's this kind of transcendence of understanding and it's then a very cold wisdom.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned the steel drum seeming weird, and I think part of that weirdness comes from that's typically an instrument that makes us think of the Caribbean and a tropical vacation, and it's part of a song that's, you know, as you said, cold, and it's about someone being buried alive in the snow. And I think that juxtaposition works well, and I I really like the interplay between the steel drum and the wooden castanets, and I think it's worth mentioning that a lot of different members of the band have come and gone over the years, including Johnny Marr, who's now gone. Which is unfortunate, but the only constant besides Isaac Brock has been the drummer Jeremiah Green, and he does some really interesting things with the percussion on this album, including on this next song, The Ground Walks with Time in a Box. When it really
1: wants out this song reminds me a bit of that speedy ortiz album we talked about a few episodes ago and we talked about how there may be being too many ideas per song and this song is six minutes long i think it's the longest on the album and there's just so many different sections so many different ideas that i lose count but i do and i think the lyrics are pretty clear and straightforward on a lot of the album but this was i think one of the tracks where i got just more of a general feeling and that feeling is just Impending apocalypse and anxiety (laughs) That said there are some Standout lyrical moments I think which tie into The environmental theme of the album I really like this one of we're gonna throw a party All the ghosts of trees Are coming out and it's like (laughs) that ghosts of trees Is really spooky And even though it's so long and varied There's this consistent high energy Throughout its length
0: Yeah even though there are a lot of different ideas happening in this song I think it coheres really well because of the way The sort of fast shuffle Percussion ties it together And I actually thought these were my favorite lyrics of any of the songs, because Isaac Brock is always very non-linear and imagistic. He seems like a really weird guy. But I really love the imagery of this song where you have the earth as this anthropomorphized creator God who made us and is entertained by us. And he's like playing around with the humans like they're little dolls. But then he's also carrying around this box that contains the personification of time as this monster that would destroy us. And meanwhile, we're just having a party and are completely oblivious. And in that section that we played there, there's there's that great moment where most of the other instruments except the drums drop out. And he sings, our predecessor left this box and something's clawing around. I think it really wants out. And it's basically just having no idea what's inside this Pandora's box that's waiting for us.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you making sense of that for me. I do really enjoy this track, and I think you're right that the the coherent percussion meant that it took me several listens to appreciate exactly how much was actually going on here. I think there's these synths and horns and unusual percussion. Later on in the breakdown, there are some, these really prominent guitar harmonics. And I think you pointed out that there's some backward singing and it's all just very weird, but it never really calls attention to itself. And I think the fact that the song works as well as it does and it really shouldn't it should just collapse under the weight of all these ideas I think demonstrates that these musicians are just absurdly talented mm-hmm. I do appreciate though that they're able to embrace some more stripped down sound and they do that on the next track's Coyote Coyote's,
0: Coyotes tiptoe in the snow after dark at home This song really reminded me of the more stripped-down, lonesome-crowded West-era Modest Mouse, and while I don't really have a problem with how produced this album sounds, I think it's kind of unnecessary, because their music is so distinctive and powerful without all the extra bells and whistles, and I read an interview with Isaac Brock where he talks about building his own studio in his house and how the luxury of having infinite studio time created kind of a paralysis of choice. And I think he might have some issues going on here, kind of like John Roderick of The Long Winners talks about having on the Commander Things Aloud EP where he was just going over and over these songs and just was never able to call any of them finished. And I think my biggest criticism of this album is that Isaac Brock needed somebody to step in and call time and say, this is this song is done, stop fussing around with it. Because I think a lot of the tracks on this record would have been better if they took an approach that was more like Coyotes and was not so layered with all these effects and extra instruments.
1: Yeah, I enjoy the production. I enjoy the layers and layers of extra instruments, but... I would think that the editor might have just instead said, well, maybe you don't need three songs which say exactly the same or basically the same thing in slightly different ways.
0: Or could he could have demanded that they throw out Pistol.
1: Oh, but it's so fun and pointless. <laughs> this, this song does have a stark beauty to it. And the coyotes, I think, often, at least in some circles, get cast as kind of these villains who are killing livestock or pets. But here they're really kind of don't
0: get me started on coyotes exactly
1: and and know i
0: we've been attacked by coyotes twice and my older dog who's now gone um had to have like 70 stitches each time so they are yeah. vicious monsters that they is are... not an undeserved reputation yeah
1: they are vicious monsters but i think here they're cast as the heroic and kind of victims but just that they're these you know noble creatures and then humanity is this serial killer this monster And I like how at the end of the song, that monstrous is hammered, monstrousness is hammered home, where he sings over and over how, yeah, we love everything. We cherish all of nature. And at the end, like, well, what we really love is lying to ourselves. And when we say that we love nature, we just see it as fuel. And there's this great line, another branch on the tinder bound tree.
0: You also didn't mention that the video for this song refers back to the light rail coyote from the Slater Kinney song. You passed up an opportunity to mention Slater Kinney. Yeah, who could imagine it? So, anyway, this is this coyote in Portland that made national news because it rode the light rail system and people saw it like getting on and off the train, which is adorable. And for me, the video helped me understand what I think the song is about, which is the way that coyotes just move lightly back and forth between the wilderness and an urban environment without causing destruction in either. And there's, you know, a line about how they just like tiptoe in the snow after dark and they don't bother anyone. And then that's in contrast to mankind behaving like this bull in a china shop. And the line is, you know, mankind behaving like a serial killer, giant old monsters afraid of the sharks. And the next song continues the more stripped down sound, and it's called Pups to Dust. A change from pups to dust. Come see clearly. By-
1: ambiguous this song is. He talks about our our hearts don't change, but we're learning slowly, but we're not learning, and we have to be honest about how much we lie, we give and we take. And then the chorus really hauntingly ends with this line, we don't belong here. We were just born here. And Part of me was inclined almost to read this as an embrace of that utopian technological vision of let's go to space that we made fun of in lampshades on fire. But I think, you know, in this case, maybe we would leave before we trash the place and set it on fire. But I think there's also all this death imagery, the dust and the grave. And so this departure may just be going extinct for the good of the planet. And you know, perhaps we've just evolved to the point where us being here is a problem with only one solution is not exactly a feel-good song of the summer
0: Uh, it may not be a feel-good song but i feel like it's a lot gentler and more major key than most of the songs here and i like that together with coyotes it forms this core at the center of the record that really sounds like the old modest mouse and it like you almost harkens back to this is a long drive with someone for someone with nothing to think about and it's kind of like the safe place where they can remind themselves who they are as a band and from there venture out into some weird experimentation most abruptly on this next song, Sugar Boats. Well, I've been meaning to dismiss you, yeah, I, I have some plans to dismiss you, so stand by while, by, and by by, and by with my sugar bugs, as soon as you paint every last grain of sand as you, soon as you paint every star in the sky.
1: The honky-tonk piano here and the oompa horns, the gravelly vocals, it all gives this song a very Tom Waits vibe. And I feel like, you know, having heard some of their songs in a little bit of a a marathon session playing the other albums before this, I heard some of these elements tried out in other songs, maybe not directly in this combination. And I can't remember the names of those songs because I'm not so familiar with the catalog. But even if they may have tried some of these things before, it feels novel here. And it's pretty jarring on this album and does continue this pattern I mentioned of the songs just sounding so different from one another and keeps the album fresh. I think a few of the songs were not disgusting. They're trying out other things, but they're so silly. Oh, you said disgusting. Dis- well, yeah, they're not disgusting, but they maybe don't quite work. Mm-hmm. I think they come out so silly that they're almost novelty songs. Uh, but for me, at least, this song works. And I'm not even a Tom Waits fan, so I think that's kind of awesome. It's different, but it's still thematically consistent. And you get this sense. It's a sort of getting a sense of perspective about our place in the universe And after doing so, having some trouble maybe finding meaning in that, it just seems all random.
0: This song opens up with just the honky-tonk piano, and then the horns come in pretty quickly. And coming out of Puffs to Dust, it's just very jarring and weird. But as you said, there are some other songs on here that are even weirder. And I'm thinking in particular of Pistol, which is not only not a very good song, but it's about the spree killer Andrew Cunanan and his murder of Gianni Versace. So it doesn't even really seem to fit thematically so in the context of songs that really didn't work i think this one is on the better side and i actually really like a honky-tonk piano and i like horns so i think this is a successful experiment even if it sounds a little out of place
1: yeah i personally enjoyed how this song has the sound and this you know conceptual framework of transatlantic sugar tree at least i think that's what it was about is very looking to the past and yet it's staring infinity in the face there are these lines like as soon as you paint every last grain of sand as soon as you paint every star in the sky is not a song about small things but in the concept of the album context of the album rather it's just another sound to be abandoned because immediately into the next track we go into this very poppy sound in wicked campaign well, I just found the fence where I'm going
0: to lean. Take just my hand, out your and rub my eyeglasses just clean.
1: I could apologize, but then a bit more nothing exists
0: So the world's got plenty of good and bad lives But our lives should come with you. I found that song weirdly jarring just because you're right. It sounds very poppy and it doesn't really sound like a modest mouse song. There's none of that bending guitar tone, and Isaac Brock's voice sounds very even out, evened out. And I guess they're just trying for something different. And it's not a bad song, but I found myself wondering what exactly they were trying to do here.
1: Yeah, to me it really feels like a companion piece to their big, you know, huge pop hit, Float On, from many like a decade back, I guess. Mm Two thousand four. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, that thing really blew up in a way that was pretty surprising, and that's also the song that I think makes us the first and probably last band that we're going to discuss that actually has a kids' bop cover of one of their songs. And if you haven't heard that, go check out the kids' bop "Float On." It is hilarious. Uh But I'd say both to me, both songs are dealing with trying to stay positive in the face of adversity in a kind of capricious world. But I think this song is musically more poppy but is lyrically just very mo- much more cynical and existential you know he's staying happy but he knows it lies this lyric i'm gonna wear this smile like it's some su- stupid toupee and then later i'm gonna wear this smile like it's a hundred dollar bill and that's so meaningless and then when the heavenly choir comes in to sing the lie that lie is things are not so bad this is like a musical myth of Sisyphus and it's wrapped in pretty synths, but that doesn't blunt the message.
0: Yeah. It says a lot about the way this album is sequenced, by the way, and edited that we skip from this song, which is track 10 to track 14 in our discussion here. And there's a chunk of three, just okay songs here in between in the back half that are kind of a reminder that this album didn't need to be 15 tracks and almost an hour long. Um, I think the great parts would shine a lot more if there were less filler but maybe Isaac Brock figured that after eight years, he really owed us a lot of material. At any rate, we go next to the penultimate track, which is called The Best Room.
1: Let loose with your charms, go reckless, unharmed, we all signed the card.
0: Get well, but don't you try to hard, the lessons are learned. Oh, this meeting is adjourned, all oh, these Western concerns.
1: Hold my place in line while I take your turn. I do appreciate Modest Mouse trying out all these different sounds and here I think there's this shouted chorus with really jangly guitars and to me it sounds like a down-tempo Le Savé more than anything else and I do mean that as a compliment and I think it's impressive that they find a way to merge that sound with the verses that sound much more like the Modest Mouse we're used to and they work together and there are just some great lyrics here. I love this The family upstairs must have a fleet of riding lawnmowers. Mm -hmm. I think it's great because it's both just that idea of how pleasant it is to live under a really noisy neighbor but then also there's this idea in the song of how people are abandoning the outdoors to just live their lives inside and you know that is where the video games are as this song points out I think that Uh, By the end, Isaac Brock does want to get out of there and go out, live in the woods and look for mushrooms. But I at least got the sense that he doesn't have a lot of hope that anyone else is going to join him.
0: And for that reason, I think this is a good way to lead into the closing track, because the whole album is about disconnection with the natural world. And here it's also describing feelings of being disconnected from even other people. And then resolving that by trying to reconnect with nature. And, you know, he's from Issaquah, Washington, which is kind of way out. It used to be way out in the woods, and now it's more of an excerpt of Seattle. But it's a very beautiful place with, you know, a lot of forest and natural beauty. And um, so it seems it makes sense that that is why how he would try to reconnect with the world. So I think it's a nice way to close the loop on an album that might have some flaws musically, but I think it does a really good job of trying to communicate an intent conceptually, and I I just really like this album. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a subtle album by any stretch, and it's maybe a little repetitive, but if you're going to say the same thing repetitive repeatedly, you know, it is good to do it in varied ways, and I think it's mostly successful in that regard. And I've listened to a bunch, and I still think there's more to be had, more to get from additional listens, and that's a good sign. I think it is perhaps a bit bloated, but it's never not interesting, and sometimes it does become pretty epic. I think that's certainly the case in the final track, which is a off-kilter and beautiful uh, song where Isaac Brock wrestles with his own mortality and talks about theology. The song's called Of Course We Know. This has been For the Record. Thanks so much for listening.
0: The streets
1: are just
0: blankets and-